Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Michael Barrison, who is charged with the attempted murders of Lauren Kanarek and Robert Goodwin in Long Valley, New Jersey. Kanarek was struck in the chest by two bullets from Barrison's weapon, and as it was undisputed that Barrison fired those shots, his legal team argued that he was not guilty because he was legally insane at the time of the shooting, and in the alternative because he fired those shots in self-defense. In our last episode, we looked at the testimonies of three more medical professionals who treated the defendant as well as the questioning of another member of the Washington Township Police who worked on the case. On today's installment, we examine the testimonies of two equestrian colleagues and a student of Michael Barrison, as well as the questioning of the first behavioral health professional to perform a psychological examination of the defendant after the Canaract shooting. That's all coming up, right after the break. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. It's mid-morning of April 5th, 2022, and Judge Stephen Taylor invites the defense to call their next witness. For the first time in the trial, it is not Edward Belinkus who rises, but his co-counsel Chris Dininger. Dininger requests that Jamie Dancer take the stand. Miss Dancer has long blonde hair pulled back in a ponytail and blue eyes. She wears a wide lapeled jacket over an open-collared white shirt. Dininger again begins by asking the witness about her place of residence. Do you live in New Jersey? I do. Where? Millstone Township. And are you an athlete? I am. In what sport? Dressage. And how long have you been a dressage athlete? Since I was seven, so 30 some odd years. And could you give the jury a brief summary of your accomplishments in that field? Um, I'm a USDF bronze, silver, gold medalist and I recently started competing internationally. Did there come a time when you became acquainted with Michael Barrison? Yes. And what year, if you recall approximately, was that? 2003. And what was the nature of your acquaintance with him in 2003 going forward, if you could summarize that for the jury? I first started working for him as a working student, and then after that I started my own business and would continue to ride with Michael and ship up to his farm in New Jersey and also down in Florida with him. Did you train with him as a rider? Yes. Did you, your horse train with him? Yes. In connection with that training, was any of it accomplished at the farm in Long Valley? Yes. Did you live at the farm? At points, yes. So let's fast forward to 2019. Were you living at the farm at that time? No. Were you still training with him? Yes. And was your horse still being trained by his business? Yes. And then any part of that training, was it conducted by other people that worked in the business? No. Okay. So you knew Michael as a trainer, correct? Yes. Did you know him in any other capacity given your involvement with him over those years? We we're friends and he's my mentor. Based upon your friendship with Michael over the years, do you believe you developed an understanding of what he was like under normal circumstances? 
Yes. Could you describe for the jury what Michael Barrison was like under normal circumstances? Yes. He was very clean cut, shirt always tucked in, belt. Everything was always clean and immaculate everywhere. Fun to be around, yet when it came to the riding, very intense and precise. Based upon your years of experience knowing Michael Barrison, did you have a chance to observe him working with horses? Yes. Did you ever witness him in any manner mistreating a horse? No. Given your experience with him over those years, did you ever observe him being violent toward a human being? Absolutely not. Were you on the farm in early August 2019? Yes. Were you coming and going in connection with your training? Yes. Are you aware that an incident occurred on August 7th at the farm? Yes. Are you aware that there was a shooting? Yes. Okay. Prior to the shooting is the next series of questions. That's what I'm going to ask about. Okay. okay. Were you observing Michael Barrison's behavior at all in the days leading up to the shooting? Yes. How was he acting in comparison to the Michael that you knew from all of those years before? He was very upset. He was distraught. I was very concerned he was going to harm himself. When you say harm himself, in what way were you concerned that Michael Barrison was going to harm himself? I thought he was going to kill himself. Uh, did his appearance change at all in those days leading up to the incident? Yes. What changed about his physical appearance? He was pacing. He wasn't as, like, his shirt wasn't all the way tucked in. No belt. Like, sorry, I just need a minute. <laughs> Take as much time as you need. Just not him. He wasn't him. He was, it was hard to talk to him. I was concerned about him. Was he less communicative than before? Yes. Did he look disheveled in any way personally in his appearance? Yes. And you say pacing. Tell me more about the pacing that you saw. It was like neurotic. It was like neurotic pacing. It, I can only compare it to horses, which they pace when they're stressed and, they, and they're looking and they're searching and they're just unsettled. Based upon what you observed with Michael Barrison, did you come to any conclusions as to whether he was stressed? Yes, he was stressed. And did you come to any conclusions in your own mind as to how you felt the degree of stress that Michael was under at that time? Extremely high. Extremely high. Did you make any of these observations of Michael the day before the shooting, which would have been August 6, 2019? Yes. And as a result of your observations and what your concerns were, did you take any action? I did. What did you do? I called my good friend, Allie Brock. All right? And I don't want you to talk about what was said on the conversation. Okay. Okay? So you talked to Allie Brock. Yes. And did you walk away from that conversation with any understanding as to whether Allie Brock was going to take any action? Yes. And what was your understanding that you walked away from that conversation with? Objection. What's the nature of your objection, Mr. Shellhorn? Hearsay, Judge. Or calls for a hearsay response. It does. Objection sustained. Questions withdrawn. Based upon your observations on August 6th of 2019, had you ever before in your association with Michael Barrison seen him in such a state? No. I have no further questions of the witness. Judge Taylor next invites the prosecution to question the witness. Cross-examination, Mr. Shellhorn? Ms. Dancer, you weren't at the farm on August 7, 2019, were you? No. You don't have any personal knowledge of what happened on that day? No. No further questions, Judge. Thank you. With no redirect requested by the defense, Judge Taylor allows Ms. Dancer to step down. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Chris Dininger next calls Allison Brock to the stand. Miss Brock has dark hair and brown eyes, and like Miss Dancer, wears her hair pulled back into a ponytail. She sports a black wool blazer and a gray turtleneck sweater. Dininger again begins with questions about Miss Brock's place of residence. Where do you reside? What state? I'm in Florida. And what town in Florida? Uh, specifically Loxahatchee. Okay. Are you an athlete? I am. In what sport? Uh, in the sport of dressage. And how long have you been a, a dressage athlete? Some 25 years, at least. Could you give the jury a brief summary of your accomplishments in that sport? Yes. Uh, I was a member of the 2016 Rio Olympic team for dressage for the U.S., and we won a bronze medal. So I've competed internationally at the highest level. Was that Team USA? Yes. Was Michael Barrison associated at all with that team? Yes. What was his association with that team? He was my coach. And prior to him coaching you at that event, how long had you known Michael Barrison? I met Michael in 2002. And in what capacity did you first start interacting with Michael? I actually, I lived on his farm in 2002. I was working for Susan Blanks, who is an, another Olympian, and she was in the process of going through the selection trials for the 2002 World Equestrian Games. I was her working student. We had horses at Michael's farm ahead of the selection trials. Your familiarity with Michael, did it start in, in some capacity where he was training you? Not at that time. I didn't start training with Michael until 2010. Okay. But I lived on the farm, so I was there on and off that summer. Did you know Justin? Very well. When I got back, I went to Europe with Sue, and when I got back, Justin just started working for okay. Michael. So starting in 2010, that's when you began to train with Mr. Barrison? Yes. How long after that did you continue to train with him? Really through 2016. And then my top horse was injured in Rio and never came back. And I had a bunch of young horses, so I would see Michael here and there, but I wasn't training like I was leading up to the Olympic Games. Did you also get to know Michael in any capacity other than as a trainer? Yes, I would consider Michael a close friend. In August of 2019, where were you physically located? I was actually driving back from a vacation with my family in the Keys. At that point in time, let's just bring it to August mm -hmm. of, of 2019, did you uh, receive a phone call from Jamie Dancer? I did. I'm not going to ask you to tell us what words were spoken in that call because it will result in an objection. So the questions I'm asking you, please do not interpret that, they, that you need to respond in specific words. Understood. All right. So you spoke to Jamie Dancer that day. Yes. Do you recall approximately how long the phone conversation lasted? It was a couple minutes because I was in the car with my family and I didn't want to have a discussion with them in the car. Did you take any action as a result of your conversation with Miss Dancer? I did. As What did you do? As soon as we got home and I could separate myself privately, 
I called Michael. Did you have any particular concern that drove you to call Michael that day? Absolutely. What was your concern? Based on what Jamie had said to me and texted me, I was very concerned that Michael was going to kill himself. So you got Michael on the phone? Yes. Uh, without telling us what words were spoken, how was Michael when he first got on the phone? Well, he was quiet, which was very unlike Michael, and started to tell me about... Objection, Judge. Try not to get into the words of the subject. So okay. he was quiet at first? And then proceeded to get more upset, and then was sobbing hysterically by the end of the phone call. Were you able to calm him down at all? No. In the past, had you viewed Michael in circumstances when he was upset? Yes, but nothing, nothing like this. You anticipated my next question. Based upon your years of knowledge and experience working with Michael and knowing him as a person, had you ever seen him in the state he was, or pardon, seen's probably not the right word, had you ever encountered him in the state he was as of that phone call? No. No further questions at this time. Judge Taylor next invites the prosecution to question Ms. Brock. Cross-examination, Mr. Shellhorn. Uh, Ms. Brock, you're a member of the Board of Directors for the U.S. Equestrian Federation. I am. And you're a member of a number of different committees with the, respect to that association. Objection beyond the scope of direct. Goes to a background, which you elicited in some detail, counsel. I'll allow it. Uh, Ms. Brock, you were not in New Jersey in August of 2019. No. You were not at the farm on August 7, 2019. No. And you have no personal knowledge of what happened that day. No. Judge, I have no further questions. Thank you. What? No redirect, Your Honor. What? You may step down, ma'am. Thank you. After Ms. Brock leaves the stand, Edward Belenkis returns to call the next defense witness and invites Sean Cullen to take the stand. Mr. Cullen is thin, with short dark hair and brown eyes. He wears brown framed glasses and a gray shirt with a dark gray plaid tie. After ascertaining that Mr. Cullen works for Atlantic Health Systems, Belinkus asks him to offer the jury a bit about his professional background, and Cullen obliges. I'm a licensed professional counselor within the state of New Jersey. My degree is in Counting Masters in Counseling Psychology. I've worked in behavioral health for just a little over 20 years now, um, and I have an extensive history of doing uh, psych evals interviews in ER settings. Where did you go to school? Uh, Caldwell University. Now, directing your attention to uh, August 9th, did you have an occasion to uh, meet and talk with my client, Michael Barrison? Yes. And at any point in time, did you try to ask him specific questions regarding the event in question? Specific questions, no. Not about the event. Okay. Uh, did he make any statements with regards to the specific event? Yes. What did he say? He spoke, as was cited in my documentation, he spoke about the stressors of the event, some aspects in the days before the event. My recollection and what's in my documentation, he did not recall the immediate events that result in his being in the hospital. Nothing further. Again, Judge Taylor invites the prosecution to question the witness. Cross-examination. Thank you, Judge. Mr. Cullen, uh, when you met with the defendant on August 9th of 2019, did he indicate to you that he had told the police that things at his farm were going to come to a boiling point? I believe that was a quote in my documentation from that day, from that interview with him. Prosecutor Shellhorn shows Mr. Cullen his notes and asks him if he placed quotation marks around Michael Barrison's statement. 
Edward Belinkus objects, asking that all of Mr. Cullen's notes with quotation marks around them be included in his testimony. After a brief sidebar, Shellhorn rephrases his question. Mr. Cullen, I think the question I asked you was if you could read the direct quote that Michael Barrison told you from your report, if that refreshes your memory. Certainly. Uh, the direct quote in quotations is I kept telling him this was going to come to a boiling point. Now, did he also, didn't he also tell you on that day that his significant other didn't feel safe? Uh, that is correct. That's also in the documentation. There's a quote for that as well. He never told you anything about he himself not feeling safe. To the best of my recollection, that was not quoted directly to me. Did he also tell you that around the time of the shooting that DCPNP or child protection was at the property? Yes, according to my documentation, it was the, noted to be the morning prior that DCPNP were present. And did he tell you that there was a specific reason that DCPNP was there was for a call pertaining to the care of his girlfriend's children? To the best of my recollection, he mentioned that he felt that someone had called them making possible accusations that they arrived due to concerns to investigate. Did you note that he said to you a number of times that there was a steady building of stressors in his life? Yes, that is noted in my documentation. And I believe if I refer you to page three, did you indicate that he noted several acute stressors in the 48 hours preceding his admission to the hospital? Yes, that's correct. But he didn't specifically note that fear was one of those stressors? Not specifically in my recollection, not that I quoted in the report. Last question, Mr. Cullen. Uh, you found Mr. Barrison's thought content to be unremarkable for delusional distortions? That is correct. There's no further questions. Thank you. Edward Belinkus rises for redirect. With regard to the quote that the prosecutor read you regarding, uh, I kept telling them this was going to come to a boiling point. Who did he indicate to you that he was telling this to several times? The local police department. Will you give it information that he possibly had PTSD? PTSD is listed in quotes in the documentation uh, for the service I work on, the psychiatric consult service. When a physician puts in a consult order, they always put a rationale for that order. That was the initial rationale by the medical team. Um, and uh, did they also indicate that there was a complaint of loss of consciousness. That was also, that's quoted in, the, in my documentation, that comes from the medical notes. With multiple trauma status, correct? That is correct. Is there any notes with regards to a left elbow dislocation? Judge, I'm going to object that this is beyond the scope of the cross-examination. It is somewhat. In the details of the report, uh, Judge, I'm sorry? Prosecutor got into the details of the report, which I did not on direct, and now I believe I'm... I can bring out other details based on his cross. All right, I'll allow it. Overruled. Did it indicate that there was multiple traumas to Michael Barrison? Per my documentation, the medical documentation, yes. Open reduction left elbow dislocation, correct? That is correct. That's from the medical documentation. Nothing further. Mr. Cullen is dismissed as a witness, and Chris Dininger returns for the defense, calling Jordan Osborne to the stand. Miss Osborne is a young woman, approximately 19 or 20 years of age, with blue eyes and sandy brown hair that hangs in curls over a blue blouse. Dininger begins by establishing the witness's age at the time of the shooting. As of August 2019, how old were you? 
I was 16. You were 16 years old. And did you live at the farm in Long Valley where Michael Barrison operated his business? Yes, I did. And what did you do there, um, just in general, that summer? I was a working student, so I rode and I helped take care of the horses. And so give us an idea of what your daily regime was in life back in those days. We'd get up and we'd feed the horses breakfast, and then by then it was time for everyone to ride, so we'd help get horses ready, we'd ride our own horses, We'd then we'd feed lunch, keep riding, feed dinner, and then just normal, regular barn chores, cleaning things up. Were there other students living there as well? Yes. And who were they? There was Chelsea Westra, Mike McGrain, and Cassandra DeFranco, and then Justin was there as the assistant trainer. And was Cassandra a student, or did she have some other capacity there? She was a barn manager, so with everything taking care of the barn and the horses, she was in charge of that. And were you aware that there were other people living at the farm in the farmhouse in the summer of 2019? Yes, I was. Who were they? Lauren Kanarak and Rob Goodwin. And did you interact with them at all on a regular basis? Yes, I did. Uh, you're on a request to approach the witness? Sure. I'd like to show you a photo which has been marked as D-800-90. Do you see the photo? Yes. Who is it a photo of? That's Rob Goodwin. And does this photo depict Goodwin's appearance as you understood it to be back in August of 2019? Yes. Your Honor, I move 800-90 in evidence. Objection. I'm not sure what the relevance. After a brief sidebar, Judge Taylor rules on the objection. The objection is sustained. Move on to another area of counsel. Did Lauren Canarak and Robert Goodwin have a dog? Yes. Did you interact directly with the dog? Not physically, but I saw the dog a lot. I'd like to approach. I'm going to show you what's been marked for identification as Defense Exhibit 800-90. Does that picture, in your mind, an accurate picture of the dog? Yes. What was the dog's name? Rosie. Were you scared of the dog? Yes. Objection. What's the relevance of this? Again, Judge Taylor sustains the prosecution's objection and asks Dininger to move on to another area of questioning. While you were on the farm, commencing in the period of the end of July, we'll say July 31st through August 6th, were you aware of whether or not the police were called to the farm on a number of occasions? Yes. And did you ever talk to the police when they were at the farm? Yes, I did. When you talked to the police, did you observe their reaction to what you were telling them? Yes. And what reaction did you observe of the police when you told them the information you gave? They were very nonchalant, and they just turned around and walked away. Did you ever feel threatened by Robert Goodwin? Uh, objection, Judge. We just talked about this. Sorry. Judge Taylor uses the objection as an opportunity to give the jury a mid-morning break. After he brings the jury back into court, he issues his ruling on Prosecutor Shellhorn's objection. Taylor explains that the question asked by Dininger will be stricken from the record, and explains his ruling to the jury. It was an improper question that he asked. Well, please don't consider it in any way. The witness's state of mind is not an issue in this case. Mr. Barrison's state of mind is an issue, not the witnesses. So please ignore that question. It was improper and it's stricken from the record. After Jordan Osborne returns to the witness stand, Chris Dininger indicates that he has no further questions, and Prosecutor Shellhorn rises for a quick cross-examination. Have you ever testified in court before? No. All right. Is your mother Lara Osborne? Yes. What's the nature of her relationship with Michael Barrison at this point? Um, they're in a romantic relationship. Well, hold, hold on. Is there an objection, counsel? I object to relevance. 
Judge, this clearly What's goes towards bias. This was explored on cross-examination with state witnesses. Overruled. I'm sorry, there was an objection. Could you just tell the jury again what your last answer was? They're in a romantic relationship. Thank you. No further questions, Judge. You swore under oath to tell the truth when you were brought here this morning? Yes. Would you violate that oath simply because of a relationship your mother was having? Absolutely not. Thank you. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Michael Barrison. Join us in our next installment as we examine the testimony of another of the defendant's students in dressage training. If you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracon. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and the trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Michael Barrison. <laughs>